0: Please be seated, and uh, if you can, please turn your Bible back to Acts chapter 2, uh, page 1085 and page 1086. We'll be referring a lot to these verses. Uh, In the middle of your bulletin, uh, there's an outline for you to follow. Let us pray. Uh, Dear Heavenly Father, we uh, thank you, Father, that you gather us here together. Pray that as we read your word, uh, we will understand better how the Holy Spirit works in us. We pray this in your son, Jesus' name. Amen. Do you wish that you had superpowers like Captain America, right, who has achieved the ultimate peak of natural human potential in terms of strength, speed, or reflexes? Or do you wish that you own the Iron Man suit, you know, that you, you can suit up any time that powerful metal armor, and beat up all those tugs on motorcycles who mark your belongings? beat them out to pop. Maybe superhero characters like the Marvel ones do not appeal to you. Maybe you're not as childish as me. Uh, maybe you already see some blank faces. But what about those athletes who have great sporting abilities? Uh, do you wish that you are like them, uh, as able as them in physical abilities? Or what about having great intellectual strength? Uh, there's a show in China called The Brain. a reality show about brain power there's this amazing contestant who has this amazing mental aromatic skills he can calculate the answer of a 18 figure number divided by 11 figure number in his head and guess how long it took him to do that in his head 18 figure number divided by 11. i think if you just do it by hand it will take you about how a few minutes he took eight seconds to do it in his head And write it down. Do you wish that your mind were as powerful as his? You see, who does not want to have great power, great ability, great gifts, like those we have seen on TV screen? Maybe even among church circles, maybe even as Christians, you wish that you were given great power and gifts by the Holy Spirit. Well, in our passage today, we read that in the event, we read of the event in history, where the group of Christians was filled with great power by the Holy Spirit. And the context of the event was the Pentecost. Pentecost, Pentecost simply means the 50th in Greek, uh, because it is a harvest festival that is celebrated 50 days after the Passover. So we were told on the Pentecost of that year, we read in Acts chapter 2, verse 1, that they were together in one place, who are these day. They were the disciples of Jesus Christ and they come together most likely to pray and to read God's word together, like what we are doing now. And there were about 120 disciples of Jesus, including the 12 apostles at that time. Uh, This number, 120, we were told in chapter 1, verse 15. And then while they were gathered together, suddenly a sound like a mighty wind come from heaven, sound of a mighty rushing wind. And it filled the entire house. And then there was divided tongue They looked like fire appeared and rested on them. Well, this fire, you know, you may think that it looks like sailing soccer or a dragon ball. But actually in verse 4, Luke explained that this wind-like sound and this fire-like appearance happened because the Holy Spirit came. And each of those 120 was filled with the Holy Spirit. Uh, The great sound and the appearance of the fire should remind us of the way that God in the Old Testament manifested himself to the Israelites. Remember when God appeared to Moses, he appeared in a burning bush? And then when he spoke the Ten Commandments on the Mount Sinai, he descended in a fire and he spoke to them in thunder, a loud sound similar to the mighty rushing wind. And so the appearance of the Holy Spirit was just like that of Yahweh in the Old Testament. Why? Because the Holy Spirit is God as well. The great sound and the fire were the the physical manifestations of God the Holy Spirit to display His great power when He came upon the people. So we see that there was great power from the Holy Spirit as indicated by the great sound and the fire-like appearance. But what was the power? What was the power given to those people that were filled with the Holy Spirit? Verse four says, "They began to speak in other languages, as the spirit gave them utterance." As we read further, we should realize that this phenomenon is truly a great miracle, because we were told that at that time on the Pentecost day, there were Jews coming from all over the Roman Empire. There were a few thousands of them gathered there at Jerusalem in modern-day Palestine. If you look at the list of those places there and put it on our modern map, you will see that if this is Jerusalem, some of the Jews came all the way from the northwest of Jerusalem, as far as Rome in Europe. And then some came from the east, far east as far as Egypt and Libya in Africa. And then in the east, there were people from Syria and also from the large area of Turkey, called asia Minor at that time. These Jewish people who came all over the Roman Empire were born and raised in those countries, those overseas countries, growing up speaking the native language of that birthplace. But as those Jews, those Jews who grew up in Jerusalem, as they started to speak in other languages because they were filled with the Holy Spirit, those overseas Jews from other countries actually heard these Judean Jews, spoke their native language, the native tongues that they spoke in those countries. In verse 7, they said, are not all these who are speaking Galileans. And how is it that we hear each of us in his own native language? Uh, the phrase own native language here is literally the language in which we were born, in Greek. And so this phenomenon is it's like, let's imagine that, you know, those who are Malaysians here who grew up in this, who grew up in Malaysia in this church, who can only speak Bahasa, Tamil, and Chinese. And then suddenly, one day, we, some... All the Malaysians, some speak, start to speak in French, some speak in Spanish, some speak Italian, some speak in German. And then there were a group of European visitors to our church. And they totally understood what we are speaking in their own native language. That was indeed an amazing miracle, isn't it? But then you may ask, what was the reason, what was the reason for this power of speaking given through the Holy Spirit? Was it just so that the first group of Christians can showcase the power of God given to them, like some sort of superhero? Well, it's not just that. In fact, there was a specific reason for the power of God to be displayed in that way. And that has already been foretold by Jesus a few days earlier. If you turn to Acts chapter 1, verse 8, verse 8, Jesus said, You will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. What was the reason for them to receive the power of the Holy Spirit? It was so that they will be witnesses of Jesus. What are they to witness about? Well, just a few weeks earlier, Jesus had died on a cross and resurrected on the third day, and he appeared alive before them for the next 40 days. And just a few days before the Pentecost, Jesus ascended to heaven before their very eyes. And Jesus gave them this instruction in chapter 1 verse 8 for them to be his witness just before he ascended. Therefore, the disciples were to be witnesses of Jesus' death, resurrection, and ascension to testify that Jesus was indeed the one sent by God, that Jesus is God himself. So we see that the miracle of speaking in other tongues here was so that the thousands of Jews gathered in Jerusalem could hear about the great works of God achieved through Jesus Christ. And so we see that the miracle of speaking is not an end in itself, but it is to point forward to the content of what is being spoken. And so here we see as well in Acts chapter 2, if you read chapter 2 verse 11, it says that it's not just that they heard their own native language, but what they heard, that in verse 11 it said they heard them telling the mighty works of God. So those 120 Galilean Jews were proclaiming the greatness of God. In languages, they are foreign to them, but understood by those thousands of overseas Jews gathered there. Therefore, you see, the miracle of speaking in Acts chapter 2 here is an instrument that pointed forward towards a greater miracle of Jesus' death, resurrection, and ascension. But but the miracle did not end with the speaking of foreign languages. In fact, the miracle of speech, so to say, continued when the Apostle Peter spoke following that in verses 14 to 38. Uh, The Apostle Peter, as a leader of the group, the group who has been given power by the Holy Spirit, went on to proclaim Jesus' death, resurrection, and ascension. But then more importantly, Peter explained why that happened and what was the significance. In Acts chapter two, verse 21, he quotes the Old Testament, saying, "It shall come to pass that everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved." And then if we jump to verse 38, he said, "Repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins." We know that Jesus died for the sins of the people, and he was raised to life because the forgiveness was secured by him. And he ascended to heaven to be the Lord of all universe, so that those who repent and turn to him will be reconciled to God. And so this message of salvation from Jesus Christ, Peter make it very clear when he preached the gospel for the very first time in his life. In fact, that was the first time in history that the gospel was preached with such clarity. You see, we usually thought that the supernatural phenomenon is in verses 1 to 13, where the 120 spoke in languages unknown to themselves. But actually, the more supernatural phenomenon was the first ever preaching of the gospel by Peter. See, this was because it is only through the power of the Holy Spirit that come upon him that Peter was able to speak with such clarity and conviction about the significance of Jesus' death and resurrection. See, before this happened, we know well, don't we, from the gospel, how the 12 apostles, they were very blur-blur. They were very blur-blur about why Jesus needed to die. Remember in the Gospel, Jesus told them, I'm going to die and then rise again after three days. They're like, huh? What is he talking about? Okay, let's talk about who, who are the greater one among the 12 of us. You see, that was how ignorant they were about the significance of what Jesus would do for them. But then things started to change when they saw Jesus appear alive before their very eyes and when Jesus started to explain to them from the Old Testament Scriptures. But even then, even after they have witnessed Jesus' resurrection, the apostles had not yet shown with absolute certainty that they fully understood everything that Jesus had said and done. Even then, they have not shown with absolute certainty that they understood perfectly. It was only until the Pentecost, when the Holy Spirit has come upon them in power, that they saw clearer, they understood better, what has been happening all this while. They remember all the Old Testament scripture that pointed to Jesus. And they believe more strongly about what Jesus has achieved for them on the cross. And you see, this great transformation of the apostles that were enabled by the Holy Spirit was already foretold by Jesus early on. In our earlier Gospel reading in John chapter 16, Jesus said in verse 12, I still have many things to say to you, the twelve disciples, but you cannot bear them now. But when the Holy, when the but when the Spirit of Truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth. Therefore, we see that with the power of the Holy Spirit that come upon Peter and the apostles, they have greater comprehension and conviction of the gospel. And this remarkable comprehension and conviction is truly a supernatural phenomenon. It is a greater miracle than 120 speaking in foreign languages, because the fact is that no one in this world, no one in this world in his own natural ability will be able to understand and believe truly in the gospel. See, the Bible tells us in 1 Corinthians that the salvation that comes through Jesus being crucified is something that no eye has seen, that no, no ears has heard, and no heart of man can ever imagine. It's also written that the, the natural man like us can never understand the spiritual truths of God unless the Holy Spirit enables us to understand the great spiritual significance of the gospel. And so we see how Acts 2 here was a fulfillment of Jesus' promises, right, specifically in Acts 1 and John chapter 16. That's our point 2, point A. However, the coming of the Holy Spirit with power was not only a fulfillment of Jesus' promises, it was, only, it was also a fulfillment of prophecy in the Old Testament, all the way back there. Let us now go back to our passage in verse 13, in Acts chapter 2, verse 13. Some of the Jews, some of the overseas Jews who heard those various languages, they mocked the disciple of Jesus. They said, they are filled with new wine, they are drunk. And then Peter stood up and responded in verse 15. These people are not drunk, as you suppose, since it is only 9 a.m. in the morning, about this time. But actually, we know that it can happen to some, getting drunk this early morning, if they drink from midnight all the way until now, isn't it? But this statement of Peter, therefore, was not meant to be a foolproof way of saying that the people was filled with the Spirit and not with the wine. Probably the charge of drunkenness uh, was made by the crowd against them to poke fun of them. It was made half mocking them, half jokingly. Therefore, I guess Peter responded in good humour, isn't it? By saying that it was too early for them to be drunk. But then what they said next, what what Peter said next uh, was on a more serious note and a more significant statement. He said that they were not drunk. Why? Because what was happening to them was a fulfilment of the prophecy in the Old Testament by the prophet Joel. Uh, We read here that Joel prophesied that there will come a day when God will pour His Spirit on all His people, on sons and daughters, on young men and old men. The prophecy of Joel was truly a momentous event to look forward to because in the Old Testament times, only a selected number of people were filled with the Holy Spirit. They were the people like the prophets like Isaiah, Ezekiel, Jeremiah, and Joel himself, and also leaders like Moses and David, apart from this special group of people, the hundreds of thousands of Israelites were simply not given the Holy Spirit back in the Old Testament times. And also in the Old Testament, those who were often filled with the Holy Spirit were given a special task to do, like leading the nation or, or speaking the words of God as a prophet. And so therefore we see that when the Holy Spirit was poured out on these 120 in Acts 2, we see that they, they testified to the great works of God, isn't it? They speak the word of God. But then as we read further, it was not only the 120 here who were given the Holy Spirit. We read later on that actually 3,000 more Jews received the Holy Spirit. But what happened to those 3,000 after they received the power of the Holy Spirit? Let's go to Acts chapter 2, verse 38 to find it out. After Peter explained the significance of Jesus' death and resurrection, he said in verse 38, repent and be baptized, everyone of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And so verse 41, Luke wrote that those who received Peter's word were baptized and they were added that day about 3,000 souls. So we see here that these 3,000, they will have received the Holy Spirit because they repented and believed in Jesus. But as you read on, as far as we were told, that did not miraculously speak in other foreign tongues like those 120. So you may wonder, what was the significance of these 3,000 receiving the Holy Spirit if they, not become, if, they not, if they did not become like prophets or leaders in the Old Testament times, and they did not speak in foreign languages like the 120? Well, we should know, we should, we should know that when all the people of God, they were given the Holy Spirit in the New Testament times, The significance was not so much about performing certain tasks or certain activities. The significance was for the people to receive what God has done for them. So when New Testament times, when people received the Holy Spirit, it was not so much about performing certain tasks or activities, but more about receiving what God had done for them. And this we see, isn't it, in verse 38 to those 3,000, that the receiving of the Holy Spirit was a confirmation that God had given them forgiveness of sins through Jesus Christ. And this is also what was said in other parts of the Bible, in Ephesians 1. The Apostle Paul said that when the Ephesian Christians, when they first heard the word of truth, the gospel of their salvation, when they believed Jesus Christ, they were sealed with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is a seal that confirms that someone has believed in Jesus and is saved. Therefore, the greatest work that the Holy Spirit enables us Christians to do is to believe in the gospel of Jesus Christ. Paul also said in Romans chapter 8 that it is by the Holy Spirit that we call God Abba Father. And so, just as the first preaching of the gospel by the Apostle Peter was a supernatural event empowered by the Holy Spirit, so it is the same whenever someone believes in the gospel it is only through the supernatural work of the Holy Spirit that the gospel can be received by anyone in this world. Now that we have understood the Acts 2 passage in its context and its application implication for us, let us think further about what what is relevant for us regarding the works of the Holy Spirit. I guess the big question a a Christian may ask is how do I receive the Holy Spirit? As I said before, We receive the Holy Spirit by believing in the gospel of Jesus Christ. Believe that He died, resurrected, and ascended for our sins. This is how we receive the Holy Spirit, and there is no other way around it. And therefore, it is the same answer if a Christian asks, How do I know if I have the Holy Spirit in me? Well, you know that you have the Holy Spirit in you if you believe in Jesus as the Christ. In one sense, all Christians are equally spiritual. All Christians are equally spiritual if they believe in Jesus. And this is what Paul sought to taught the Corinthian Christians back at the time in Corinth in the first century. Uh, at that time in Corinthian Christians, some of them have the gift of speaking in tongues, some of them did not. And therefore in the church, they thought that those who spoke in tongues were more spiritual than those who did not. And so paul wants to emphasize this in 1 corinthians chapter 12 verse 3 he says i want you to understand that no one speaking in the spirit of god ever says that jesus is a curse and no one can say jesus is lord except in the holy spirit you see what paul is emphasizing here he said that it is not what language or what tongue you speak that determine whether you are spiritual or whether you have the holy spirit What determines that you are spiritual is is the content of what you say. Is whether you're confessing Jesus as your Lord. Therefore, everyone who is filled with the Holy Spirit must be able to say that Jesus is Lord. But not everyone who is filled with the Holy Spirit speaks in tongues. Some did, some didn't at that time. And so it should be the same for us now. But I guess there's one more yet. Important question. uh, There's a concern for some Christians. Maybe the question is not so much how do I receive the Holy Spirit? Maybe it's not so much about how do I know I have the Holy Spirit. Maybe the question is how do I experience the Holy Spirit power more fully? As a Christian, how can I experience the power of the Holy Spirit full to the fuller sense? At this point, I want to say that, see, we must not define the experience of the Holy Spirit with our own assumption or with our own presupposition. We must let God tell us how we are to experience the Holy Spirit. And God tells us so by telling us how the Holy Spirit works in us. As I said earlier, that speaking in tongues and maybe other similar experiences, those things are only a minor part of the work of the Holy Spirit. The greater work of the Holy Spirit is in allowing us to embrace the gospel of salvation and to confirm our status as those who are accepted by God. Therefore, if you want to experience the Holy Spirit more fully, then it is by experiencing more the conviction of the gospel. It is to experience more of the joy of being saved by God. Listen to these Bible verses about Holy Spirit. God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. When? when we have been justified by faith through our Lord Jesus Christ, Romans 5. And again, God has established us in Christ Jesus and has anointed us and has also put his seal on us and us and given us his spirit in our hearts as a guarantee, 2 Corinthians 1. And lastly, the spirit himself bear witness with our spirit that we are children of God and heirs of God, Romans 8. You see, time and time again, God tells us that the works of the Holy Spirit is to assure us, is to establish us in God through the gospel of Jesus Christ. Therefore, what is the best way to experience the Holy Spirit more fully? It is to be acutely aware of how great the love of God was for us when we are saved in Jesus. It is to be more excited about the great hope we have in the kingdom of God. And these are all done by understanding God's word better in the Bible as we allow God himself to teach us more and deeper about that great salvation and its implication for our lives. Maybe many of you here are already doing that, doing what I've just said. But you don't think that, you are, but you don't think that by doing so, you will experience the Holy Spirit in a fuller sense, probably, even because, probably because of what other Christians say about what it means to be filled by the Holy Spirit. Probably others or even yourself think that you are lacking in the Holy Spirit, that you belong to a group called the conservative Christians. Or you may be referred to those who are big in your head and knowledge, but small in your heart and passion. If that is you, I want to encourage you to use more of the language of the Bible given to you by God. I want you to say more and more that you are indeed experiencing the holy spirit fully if your top priority is to study the word of god well to hold fast to the right teaching of the gospel and to rejoice in the truth of salvation and lastly there is yet one more way to experience the holy spirit more fully uh, let me read for you from galatians chapter 5 paul says this in galatians chapter 5 walk by the spirit And you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. The works of the flesh are sexual immorality, strife, jealousy, dissensions, divisions, and many other things. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, faithfulness, self-control. If we live by the Spirit, let us also walk by the Spirit. These are the words of Paul. So, How does the Spirit works in us powerfully? Is by leading us not to gratify the desires of our flesh, but with love, joy, peace, patience, self control. And therefore, how do we experience the Holy Spirit more fully? It is by walking in the way of the Holy Spirit, bearing His fruit. Finally, going back to what I said earlier in the beginning, about how we all wish, isn't it? We all wish to have great power great ability, great gifts. As a Christian, do you wish to be clothed with power by the Holy Spirit? If you wish, then let yourself be led by the Spirit, by the Holy Spirit, to embrace the gospel of salvation with your whole life and rejoice in the great hope that you have in Jesus Christ and then live a godly and holy life, a life that is fully pleasing to God. That is how Friends, we exercise the great power of the Holy Spirit in us. Let us pray. Dear Holy Father, we thank you, Father, for the great gospel of salvation that they first preached to the Apostle Peter. We thank you, Father, that through the Holy Spirit, we can understand and believe in the gospel. Uh, We thank you for the great hope that we have. We thank you, Father, of the Holy Spirit that you've given us to assure us and establish us in your Son, Jesus Christ. Help us, Father, to be those who rejoice in the gospel more and more, to be those who live in a life that is more and more pleasing to you uh, as we exercise the power of the Holy Spirit that was given to us. All this we ask in your Son, Jesus' name. Amen.